Who's ready to rock today, Fire Nation? JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to scale and keep a cool vibe. And to drop these value bombs, I have brought Michael Dorf on the mic. He's the founder of The Knitting Factory and City Winery, a 10-location music venue, urban winery, and restaurant chain in North America. He's also one of New York City's most influential concert promoters. In today, Fire Nation, we're going to be talking about growing a management team, how not to become the McDonald's of clubs or the AEG, and how big do you actually want to get? We'll tackle that question and so much more when we get back from thinking our sponsors. Great sleep starts with a great bed. Get $150 off your purchase of the pod by 8sleep plus free shipping when you visit 8sleep.com slash fire today. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash fire. The One Funnel Away Challenge from ClickFunnels supports you from day one through day 30 to help you get your funnel live in just 30 days. Join the next One Funnel Away Challenge for just $100 at eofire.com slash funnel. That's eofire.com slash funnel. Michael, say what's up to Fire Nation and share something interesting with, about yourself that most people don't know. Well, I'm a CEO of City Winery. I uh, started a club in New York called The Knitting Factory with my bar mitzvah savings. Had to sleep under the desk for two years, joining a uh, fitness club uh, to shower every morning. And when I was in the fitness club, I never worked out. I only brushed my teeth and occasionally used the steam room. So there, there you go. <laughs> well, I gave the whole introduction about who Michael is, Fire Nation, obviously, and what we're going to be talking about today, which is how to scale while keeping a cool vibe. And Michael, you're a big believer in unique site selection. So talk to us about that. What do you mean? Well, we have 12 locations, for example, with City Winery. Every location is different. We're trying very hard not to cookie cutter what we do. Uh, and, and so, you know, we have essentially three different profiles of, of, of a city winery space. One is what we'd like to call our mothership, which I really enjoy adaptive reuse of space. So it can be a very comfortable room to see a concert with 350 people in one room and really care about sight lines. Then we have a smaller room concept, uh, essentially 25% of that also try to create unique sites but this one since it's smaller we can fit in a lot of different places so a lot of those are not adaptive reuse and then we have a couple of sort of unique spaces that are just all about the location so uh, they happen to be the three successful unique spaces are waterfront on the river in new york city on the river in chicago and on the greenway in boston so um Site selection is very important to me. I once sat next to a guy who was um, early, early investor in Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I always thought Colonel Sanders was just a, you know, dude with a goatee. You know, image wasn't real, but apparently he was a real dude. And the first three thousand Kentucky Fried Chickens, he literally site selected himself each one. Like he stood on the corners of different properties, and he. He, he truly went for it. a little bit of empirical information, but a lot of gut. And uh, I didn't even know 
you know, Colonel Sanders was real, but he, he, he really found site selection to be very personal, very intuitive and, and something he wasn't delegating. Well, now taking a step back away from your business, what advice do you want to give to the listeners about unique site selection? What should they be looking for? What should they be taking into consideration? Share that. Well, obviously, you know, the old axiom in, in real estate, location, location, location. So, you know, you might really, really love a, a uh, uh, area outside of, say, the center of a city. But if you're not a destination-driven business and you're only relying on foot traffic, then obviously you need to be stepping up and going to a place that has a lot of foot traffic. Um, so I think there's a lot of different variables. It's impossible to just say, well, you, you know, one, one axiom works for everybody. You have to look at what your business needs in terms of a site. Um, but then you know, I do believe in gut. I do believe in it's not – um, when you're dealing with physical assets and physical properties, each one a unique snowflake, it's not about um, just purely empirical data or, or, or um, some sort of process, computer-driven you know, location, you know, heat map concept. It's, you do need to go with your gut and understand you know, what feels right for your business. Um, and look at places that have a hundred coffee shops in one city, that might be a little different formula than something that's a, you know, unique, in my case, entertainment based or any kind of experiential, there might only be one, two, three, or four in a city. So you're, you're looking to find a spot that if you're doing that many in one city, spreading out and having them be unique, if it's one per market, you know, how do you get something that's going to be looked at as a hot, place there's the psychology of of a location you know does it feel safe does it feel cool is it is it something that's hip or is it you know tried and overplayed so um a lot of those are 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 components that are are kind of fuzzy you know and are not just simply number crunching you know analysis So Fire Nation, break that down. I mean, this is the process that at the end of the day, unique site selection is going to be critical. There's a reason why Colonel Sanders site selected 3,000 of his first 3,000 KFCs because he knew that was how he was going to have the winning formula. And one thing that you've been able to do, Michael, is have a successful management team. So talk to us about your thoughts on growing a successful management team, what you've done, and what you recommend to others who are looking to do the same. Let me start by saying my, the first business I had, uh, the knitting factory, and ran it for 15 years. I had a good team, but I was really a young punk, and I didn't really, you know, think too much about organizational behavior and 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 inspire, you know, inspiring, you know, the team. And so when I when I was able to do city winery and 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 have some a window between businesses and think about how I'm going to grow this thing, I knew for sure that. If I'm going to get to, you know, 20, 30, 40 different cities and thousands of employees, the only way to do it would be to have a executive team and then a second layer of management that all felt like owners. They all felt like, you know, they're rowing in the same direction. And so year one, I started um, an offsite uh, called Basecamp. Um, I didn't want to call it a retreat, a retreat. 
doesn't make any sense to me. The word in particular, it's, you know, going backwards. Do any of us entrepreneurs want to be going backwards no. in our business? No, no, we're going forward, right? So base camp's a much better metaphor because it's a place where you're looking at the, the summit that you want to climb, the, 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 the top of the mountain that you want to achieve, and you kind of analyze it with the team in your base camp in a safe place, usually in a warm sleeping bag and tent. But you're like, you're looking at what you want to achieve. You talk about it with your team. You got to really identify, are there weak links? Are there people on the team that are going to you know, pull you down the mountain? And so Basecamp became our metaphor. And from the beginning of, of the new company 11 years ago, you know, I created this offsite and, and it was for the, the core players in each location, but also then the, the bench. And we wanted the bench to aspire to want to come to this event and be with their, with the senior leaders. And it became a, a, such an important thing that now people really covet to go to this thing. So this last year, we had 140 people um, all travel to a location, and we spent two days together. And of course, there's your classic team building and, and review of mission and brand and you know uh, best practices. We do all of that, but we also have a purpose. Um, two years ago, we went down to Puerto Rico right after the, the hurricanes and spent basically 80% of our time in the farms helping rebuild the farms um, and only a little bit of time really whiteboarding and PowerPointing, um, you know, uh, the, the business. I would say that was a little overdone in terms of our philanthropic push, but it was such a meaningful and important uh, experience for everyone. It reminded, um, you know, what we're an entertainment company, but we also deal with an agricultural product. We, we, we make wine in all of our locations. And so this was such a reminder of the, you know, importance of the environment, how Mother Earth really can be affected by us humans and how how important our relationship is with, with the planet in terms of our business. Even And a lot of times, you know, we forget that in our daily lives, but, you know, we're making wine. We care about where our grapes come from. It's from the soil. You know, we know there's fires throughout, you know, Sonoma this last year and how yeah. that affects the wine world. Every year, even if there are, you know, let's call certain people in this world who don't believe in climate change, most of us realize this is real. This is something we got to deal with. And anyways, it was, that was a very moving base camp for us that year. But every year we try to do a little give back. So how do you, Michael, define operational overlap? And how should we as entrepreneurs, businessmen and women approach this? Every business, the most simple ones are ultimately complex. And so, you know, I think one needs to always think about what they do first in Excel and then go to PowerPoint and Word to um, elaborate what it is you're trying to do, even if it's a simple one-time project or a full business plan. It's got to work, you know, in Excel. And what I mean, obviously, by that is running through and analyzing every component of what we do in our operations. Is there a number at the bottom that is positive and not negative. If it's negative, you know, I think one needs to really rethink, you know, what they're doing. Um, obviously, if it is something that's going to take six years of investment, but at the end of that Excel sheet, it's in the positive, fine. But, you know, one needs to think in Excel and then, and then you know, 
sort of sell others in 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 Word or PowerPoint or I, I happen to be an Apple guy, so Keynote. But anyways, you know, I, I I really believe in that. And then it's critical, as I was saying before, I everyone needs to to row the boat in the same direction. So communicating what it is in operations, how we want to operate. In 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 my case as a you know, pseudo, and I don't mean it negatively, but as a, a hospitality company, but we're as much an entertainment company and winemaking business as well. But we give every employee when they're hired, no matter who they are, accountant, um, you know, dishwasher or our, our, our consumer facing um, folk, a copy of Setting the Table, Danny Meyer's book yes. on hospitality. I've bought over 3,000 copies of that book. In fact, I, I, I do a better job selling his book than I have sold my own book. Um, but it's such an incredible um, sort of philosophy around service and hospitality that you know, for us our, to make sure everybody understands where we want to be and aspire to in terms of our service, we give this, this book. And, and so integrating that into our operational um, uh, if you will, our interconnectedness. We want to make sure everyone knows this, studies this book, can relate to different chapters, different theses within that. So we're either you know, writing the last chapter is one of his philosophies. We're always writing the last chapter um, when we make a mistake, or even if we're just on the edge with something with a with either a patron, an artist, a vendor. You know, how do we go overboard to make them really feel endeared to us? So Fire Nation, it's so critical, so important that we're learning from those who have come before us. So we're learning from those who are dominating the industry. I mean, that's exactly why we're looking around. We're learning from Michael today. He's learning from other people in his industry who are doing great things. So it's unbelievably, incredibly important to always be leaning on others who have been there, done that, who have the roadmap. And Michael, you are big on uniqueness. I mean, that's something that kind of ties into a lot of the different things you do, a lot of different aspects of your business. But can you just step back, talk about uniqueness, how you bring it into your business, into your brand, and how you think other entrepreneurs could utilize that word for what they do? Uniqueness or being differentiated. Um, my my grandfather might call it Meshugana. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, you know have done things that have been creative and different and perhaps from the outside looked at as crazy and, and, you know, opening an avant-garde jazz club, you know, when I was 23 in New York was not really where, you know, the norms were, but it was something that felt what is, it was what I needed to do. It was where my head was at. And, and I, I, I had to have the chutzpah or go a little bit um, outside, you know, the comfort zone of, of, of certainly my parents and, and sort of the more uh, conservative members in my circles to 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 do what I believed in. Um, with City Winery in particular, I mean, the, we were the first urban winery making real wine in Manhattan, um, uh, in New York City. The the predecessors of making old kosher wine. 40 years ago, it was just crap and it wasn't, you know, real wine, but to make world-class wine in Manhattan was a first and, and convincing the growers in California and Oregon, where we get these world-class grapes to, to, to sell me fruit and then ship it 
in refrigerated trucks to Manhattan, you know, required a leap of faith on their part. Although with all due respect, I had to pay for it all up front. So, you know, what did they have to lose? But, you know, it was, it was a very different creative way to approach um, winemaking. It had to do for my end. It was, it was obvious, but for the industry, it was different. We were basically shipping grapes to the biggest market where consumption takes place rather than making wine in the vineyards and then shipping finished wine bottles to the city where there's the greatest consumption in the planet. So, um, you know, the idea was just inverting a model. Uh, Technology allows for shipping of grapes to, to be done at a temperature that there will be no damage. The integrity of the grapes are, are, are full. I had to bring in a real French winemaker. I had to buy a lot of expensive equipment. I had to you know, lease a lot of space in, in a very expensive real estate market. But what that ended up doing is lend a tremendous amount of authenticity to what my space was. You know, you, it wasn't a faked out you know, wine cellar or wine theme Disneyland of, of wine. We're an actual winemaking facility where the aromas of the of grapes during fermentation and the, the the wooden barrels, which are beautiful, you could see and touch and feel. Um, so we were the, the 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 authenticity of what we were doing is 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 seen in spades. And I knew that putting on a concert inside of a winery was going to be something that would be uh, very compelling to the public um, and and feel right. And that there was an audience that was going to really feel comfortable in in a place that had a lot of wooden barrels and wooden tables and and felt and was real. Um, I, I'm, I'm I feel relieved and blessed that in the end, you know, the the, the entire model and machine worked um, because originally we were going to be selling our wine via a format of wine by the barrel for bankers, you know. But and I wrote the business plan in 2007. Our first grapes arrived via truck from California the same week Lehman Brothers went out of business Brutal. and was the, be- was the beginning of the financial you know, meltdown, Armageddon, um, of fall of 2008. So you know, the most you know, crazy time to try and create a luxury product business, even if it was experiential, in my case, a luxury concert experience, it was still – a disaster. Um, and luckily what came out of it, which was ter- tremendous was a few months after the wine was in barrel and ready to be, be, be drunk. Um, I, I was so starved for cash. It was, we were very on the brink. I sort of said to my winemaker, we need to start selling this wine. It tastes fine to me, you know, and he's like in French, you know, but we, we must uh, put it in bottle and get the approval of the TTB of federal labels and it takes a while and blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, David, we need to start selling this now somehow. Can't we tap this wine? Can we just, you know, put it in a keg and serve it like beer? And basically, uh, we started doing that and it started working really well. We went through it was a much quicker process on the on the on the federal approvals and we um, started putting wine on tap and of course. All of a sudden, our margins were much better by the glass. 
Our ability to preserve the wine was even better. We didn't have to add sulfites to it. So it's a very environmentally friendly way because we're saving all kinds of glass. In fact, we sell so much wine by the glass that um, it would be it represents anywhere between 20 and 50 cases of, of bottles a night wow. that we save around the country. So over the year, that's 30, 40 semi-truck loads of, of glass that we save from shipping. And that's a, you know, a saving of the carbon footprint and a very environmentally friendly. And, but most importantly, it, it's a huge margin savings. We don't have the cost of glass and cork and bottling and the sulfites. So it ended up being a blessing, you know, by having to be creative around a, a unique situation. Um, and, and now almost 75% of all the wine we serve in all of our locations is wine we make by the glass. Um, so, uh, you know, you got to, you know, so what is that uh, necessity breeds invention? Well, sometimes, you know, a workaround can really, you know, spur those creative juices and, and lead itself to a, a great outcome. And Fire Nation, I hope you're really realizing that being creative and bringing in that uniqueness to your business, that's what's going to allow you to weather the storms that are ahead. And those are some great examples by Michael. And we really need to be saying, hey, how am I future-proofing my business? Well, being very creative, being very unique, those are definitely ways you're helping out in that area. And we've got a lot of great stuff coming up from Michael when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Fire Nation, I am passionate about a lot of things, but very high up on my list, sleep. Because I know that if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm risking my ability to perform at the highest level. In fact, research has proven that deep sleep not only enhances your physical performance and mental clarity, but also your energy levels and your overall health. And according to new research, people who sleep in hot environments have been found to have elevated levels of the stress hormone cortisol the very next day. I don't know about you, but I can definitely relate to tossing and Hurting when my body temperature is too high. That's why I want to tell you about the Pod by Eight Sleep. The Pod by Eight Sleep is the only bed that automatically adjusts the temperature throughout the night, so you can get your deepest, most comfortable sleep. It's for these reasons and more that ninety-four percent of people who sleep on the Pod say they sleep better. Get one hundred and fifty dollars off your purchase of the Pod by Eight Sleep plus free shipping when you visit. 8sleep.com slash fire today. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash fire. We're all striving towards different goals. Maybe your goal is to get out of debt or quit your job or take your existing business to the next level. Regardless, you're just one funnel away from accomplishing your goal. And with the one funnel away challenge from ClickFunnels, you can get that one funnel live in just 30 days. Here's how it works. Join the one funnel away challenge at eofire.com slash funnel. Every day you'll receive a mission to complete, each mission being a step in the process of creating, building, and launching your funnel. Get ready to rock your funnel with a trifecta training approach, daily training, live coaching, and accountability from day one through day 30. Complete the task given to you every day for 30 days, and by the end of the 30 days, you should have a funnel that is live and ready to generate leads and sales. Join the next One Funnel Away Challenge for just $100 at eofire.com slash funnel and get daily training, live coaching, and accountability from day one through day 30. That's eofire.com slash funnel. So, Michael, we talked before the break a lot about being creative and unique and operational overlap and management team growth, et cetera. What it really comes down to is 
we don't want to be the McDonald's of our industry. You did not want to become the McDonald's of your industry. How did you avoid this? Well, I would say this is the single biggest, most important um, question. You know, when the when when the, when I get asked, you know, what keeps you up at night? Um, this really is the central question. How do we stay cool and scale? Um, and we we really want each location to feel like it's independent, that it's local, uh, that it's 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 not a Starbucks or Shake Shack or McDonald's. Um, and I don't mean to to combine Shake Shack with McDonald's it is so much more superior. But you know the idea of achieving scale is where you're centrally distributing not just product but a, a, a manual, a, a how-to guide for the managers to both operate, but also to set up and for it to look the same. And it's the same menu and it's the same, you know, when you, when you, when you have a hundred locations all serving the same impossible burger and you're buying from the same source, you achieve certain economies of scale. And that's ultimately where you see higher profits and it's what we all are trying to achieve. But how do you do that and still stay local? Like one of our central questions is how do we have a motivated, artistically driven chef to not just feel like they have to live by a manual that's sent by a national chef and say, here you go, you know, crank out this menu, um, you know, better hit 25% cost of goods margins or, you know, you're in trouble. Like we, we don't want to run a business like that. We want to have a chef feel like there's some tried and true recipes to offer that is part of a core piece of our menu, but also inspire the chef to be able to be creative, to add things to the menu, to actually make suggestions to all of the other locations and say, hey, I figured out this you know, unique recipe, a, a play on our risotto balls, for example, and here you should try this. Like We want to keep people inspired and creative and and, and again, differentiate each location. So it starts with design. It then goes into an operating manual. It shows where there's leeway. It shows the tried and true practices. Um, and again, I, I think getting together at least once a year, if not more often, various d- divisions and units to share the best practices allows people to go, okay, here's what is, is working. Here's some tried and true ways to do something, but here is something that I want to add to it. And we want to encourage that, that uniqueness. So, um, this is something that I don't, you know, hopefully this will be my next book. Um, <laughs> cause I'll maybe figure out the answers. I don't, but it's a very hard one. Um, there's no, there's no perfect, uh, solution to, you know, growing a business to over a hundred units and, and staying cool. I think you just have to always remind yourself that you're growing, you're trying to achieve scale, but you don't want a cookie cutter. And it's, it's just one of those messages that have to be internal, internal and, 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 and reminded consistently. um, So you don't fall into the trap of, Oh, this works so easy. We have, you know, this, this setup and we're just going to duplicate it 100% in this new market. We, you need to think local, um, but act, if you will, 
with a company of scale. So there's one thing that as entrepreneurs, we really always should be asking ourselves, and that is how big do we really want to get? Like, what are we trying to build as a company, as an organization, as a dream? How do you tackle this question, Michael? I want to keep growing and get really big, The but it's not for big purposes. I think our our I'm now driven by the idea that we've created a much better venue for musicians to, to perform. For me, the greatest compliment is when an artist that I respect that we book says to me, okay, I've played your seven city wineries in seven cities. I need you to build one now in Denver. I need one in Minneapolis. I need one in Toronto and I need one in London. Let's get going, Dorf. And, you know, I love that because, you know, they're saying they don't want to play other places. They want to play our place. They like our place or a private party from a, you know, a, a company that we really like, you know, Omnicom or, or Google. They like using our space to do holiday parties. Uh, you know, uh, Gary Vanerchuk and Vayner, you know, loves our, our venue for, for their annual, you know, holiday party. So I want to keep you know, creating spaces that can, can make people happy. And if we've got a formula that is making people happy, I want to make as many people happy as possible. I love the fact that today, you know, we have 12 locations and at eight o'clock at night, people are drinking wine and smiling and interfacing with each other. And in some of them, they're listening to music and that's happening simultaneously. I, I don't, you know, know any reason why, my mission shouldn't be, you know, I should curtail the idea of making people happy. I want to, I want to do it in a hundred markets in the United States. And so I want to keep growing, but you got to be judicious about that growth and make sure that, you know, you're, you got the team to do it. You have the capital to do it. There's the demand for it in those locations. Um, but you got to be driven by more than, than just, Oh, I want to have a hundred locations to make a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think beyond that, in my case or in a lot of you know companies, there's a bigger mission, which is in my case, you know, I want to put on a magical experience for people in as many places as possible every night. So we've talked about a lot of things today, Michael. We've really gone through the traces about your business and about your different growth techniques and beliefs. What's one thing that you really want to make sure Fire Nation gets from your story, from your journey, from your experience that we really walk away with? Nothing is easy. It requires a lot of hard work. When I started my first business, again, I, I lived inside the office for two years. Um, you know, if, if, you do, if you're doing something you love, it might require a little more effort um, than if you're compromising and, and I, I, I really believe strongly it, you should do what you love. You only live once. You have an opportunity to, to actually do something that is meaningful to yourself. Maybe it has meaning for the rest of the, the world as well. But these, new, these different kind of businesses that, that are a little bit not cookie cutter, it's gonna, they're going to require a lot of work um, and a lot of sacrifice and, and, and probably less sleep and less, you know, uh, sort of extra free time. But if you're committed to it, eventually over time, hopefully it'll happen. And uh, I just strongly 
strongly support people to, to, to live their dream, and, and but it's going to take a lot of work. So where do you want Fire Nation to go to find out more about you? And what's a final call to action you have for our listeners? I just did finish a book um, that is called Indulge Your Senses, Scaling Intimacy in a Digital World. And I think I, uh, for the first time, put into writing a lot of uh, both my experience, but then the, the various lessons learned from all the mistakes I made. That book is available out there. You can get information at michaeldorf.com. Um, City Winery, you know, continues to grow and we're putting on a, a lot of interesting programs, music and wine, uh, and that's at citywinery.com. And uh, appreciate any interest. Uh, I'm, I'm always available too. I, I, I respond to everyone. I, I, I've been, been doing this so long and I know how frustrating it is sometimes to not get a response from, from people that you're, you know, think you could do some business with or have a connection to. So I'm Michael at citywinery.com. I'm a pretty open book and uh, really um, uh, like to like to help people. Well, Michael, thank you for your time today in Fire Nation. You know this. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, and you have been hanging out with MD and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. If you just type Michael in the search bar, the show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. Links to all the resources, his book, of course, and so much more. And Michael, once again, thank you for sharing your truth with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, man. Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you by Michael. And if you've ever considered creating and running your very own mastermind, well, lucky for you, I have a free course for you to do just that. And this includes a two-hour training, by the way, with Tony Robbins. So visit mastermindonfire.com to check it out today. And I'll catch you there, Fire Nation, or I'll catch you on the flip side. The One Funnel Away Challenge from ClickFunnels supports you from day one through day 30 to help you get your funnel live in just 30 days. Join the next One Funnel Away Challenge for just $100 at eofire.com slash funnel. That's eofire.com slash funnel. Great sleep starts with a great bed. Get $150 off your purchase of the pod by 8sleep plus free shipping when you visit 8sleep.com slash fire today. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash fire.